So I had a question for you, and it's probably a bit scary to say it up front. For just a moment, turn to someone next to you. It's all right if you just go, that's an impossible question, I don't want to answer it. Turn to someone next to you. Can you remember a time when you remember feeling loved? Pause. If you just look at me now, it's going to be really boring. If you're sitting by yourself, you can think about it. Can anyone think of a time that they'd be happy to share? It can be about anything. It can be, let's face it, a lot of people have a dog. Because it doesn't matter what everyone else thinks of them, they come home and the dog just loves them. And that is awesome. Isaac, go for it, man. Um, this isn't particularly a time when I felt love, but it's a time when I felt good was really entering my heart and during those songs I felt God just wanted me to share it. Awesome. So it was one time I was standing about right here. Some of you would have remembered when we were walking around the building just praying yes. for each room. And I was right here in my prayer went something like this. Lord, I pray for the worship team. I pray for Colin and any future pastor that's here. And Lord, I pray that although they are on the stage, that it's not them that's on the, that's up front, that's up from everyone else. It's God through them. Amen. Awesome. Right, that's stunning. I just had one. Somebody prayed for me. <laughs> that's a big deal. Um, so I was in my last week finishing uni and I was just really flat out and I got a text from Kyron and it said, oh, hey, when you get on moment, do you want to go check at your front door? And so um, I opened up the front door and he got him and his girlfriend like made me a week here package full of like my favourite my favorite foods and stuff. And so that got me through my last week and I felt really loved. That is awesome. Um, some of you might know that I have like seven pairs of parents. I've got one actual pair of parents and then I've got like six church parents. <laughs> um, so when I feel loved specifically is when they take the time to contact me or message me or talk to me at church and say, hey, I really want to catch up with you and I want to spend quality time with you and stuff like that. That really makes my heart beat. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I feel like that's a really tricky one because there's so many instances that we feel loved, like small actions and like gestures, like can like, you know, just shows like you appreciate someone. But there was this one moment in particular um, where I felt loved was um, 
during my first week of studying the bachelor's degree of social work, I was so nervous. Like, I didn't know many people there. And I just, you know, got up and became really confident and just like, hey, I'm Georgian. And everyone was so accepting and, like, kind towards me. So, yeah, I felt loved. Yeah. Awesome. Good on you, Janet. We need to hear from the... Um, <laughs> range of generations. <laughs> um, so I was actually having a really hard day at work on Friday, um, to the point where I actually did cry on Friday morning. Um, but at some stage during the day, someone snuck into my office, I don't know who it was, and left a bag of licorice all sorts on my desk. So it was really nice. <laughs> awesome. Anyone else? I ask you the question, um, we're doing a series about following Jesus and looking at this, a um, few weeks ago we looked at the invitation to come and see and then the call that Jesus calls us and this week we're looking at the challenge. And so it's not all going to be about love or maybe it is, you'll have to figure that one out. And so we're going to read some of Jesus' words together and one of those, some of those words are what's called the golden rule. Now, what's the golden rule? Yep, do ones and others, or as you, what was that, don't buy a Honda? No, um, he who has the gold makes the rules. He has, well, actually, it's interesting, because um, in Christianity, or in church, if you go to Sunday school, you are taught, do unto others, um, as that others are going to, as you would, yeah, oh, we're lost it, haven't I? You can tell I didn't go to Sunday school. Um, and that's our summary, and, but actually, if you walked out on the street and asked people, it might be, uh, maybe, um, uh, you've got a. You have to be nice to other people. Don't don't bother other people. Might be the uh, a translation of this. Um, but we're going to read this one, and the golden rule is famous. But I find that intriguing because the passage we're reading that has this in it has other things that I think are maybe stronger that uh, that we don't like to quote so much. So would you read this with me? But. I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Ooh, that's a bit more than do unto others, isn't it? This is love people who are nasty, hateful, and hurtful to you. People who are against you. And there are four commands in it. There's a love, do good, bless, and pray. Oh, Jesus, that's a bit rough, really. I, uh, maybe you could expand that a bit. And he did. Read it with me. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Um, Jesus, are you sure? I mean, I've tried this. But he sold my coat and bought drugs with the money. Do you really want me to do that? And this striking on the cheek, remember in medieval times if someone struck you on the cheek, that was an invitation for a duel. Well, there's a bit of that way back then. It's a, to be struck on the cheek, it's an insult, and you are asking for a fight. And how does that work out? Anyone tried that on the schoolyard? Turn the other cheek. Which of you is going to say to your bullied kid, turn the other cheek? Are you feeling a little bit of a tension here, a contrast? Because I feel it. This is really tricky stuff. He took your lunch, 
So offer him your morning tea as well. You don't hear a lot of Sunday school lessons about that, do you? Let's read a bit more. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. There is that golden rule, and it might be doable, but what about the rest of it? I mean, is that going to work? That is so different to the world we live in. The world we live in is all about exchange and a reciprocity. Oh, I said it right. Excellent. You scratch my back, and I'll scratch yours. That's how we work, isn't it? I'll, a bit of exchanging stuff, because after all, we've all got needs. My back needs a scratch, so I'm prepared to scratch your back. That's how we work. You can't just give away your stuff, can you? And then it's like Jesus can hear the crowd's thoughts with me. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. We'll keep going. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. Jesus says, mate, if you're just doing stuff to make you look good, or doing stuff to build up your relationships so that you can get and get reward, well, that's not love. And as much as our whole world works on this scratch-my-back-and-I'll-scratch-yours basis, Jesus is talking about something different. With me. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Love your enemies. Do good. Lend and expect nothing back. Whew. That's a bit of a crunch, isn't it? And Jesus doesn't say this will work. He doesn't say that this will be how you'll get ahead. He doesn't promise you this is going to... What he says, he doesn't say this is how you're going to win friends and influence people. He says, you will be children of the Most High. And what is the Most High like? For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Is that what we want? Well, if I'm being the ungrateful and wicked, yes, please. But is that what I want for my enemies? No, I don't want that. I want them to get what's coming to them. I want them to pay. I want them to change. But the Most High is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Love your enemies. Love. It's like this because it's about grace. In the Old Testament, there's a uh, Hebrew word, hesed, which they really struggled to translate. It's translated 14 different ways in the Old Testament. When the King James guys were doing it, they invented a new word. They put together the word loving and kindness. So when you read loving kindness, 
They were trying to find a word to say for his head. This is what the kingdom of God is about. Loving kindness and grace poured out to you, to your friends, and to our enemies. It's a glorious, absurd generosity. Think of the best thing you can do to the worst person you know. Think of the people to whom you're really tempted to be nasty. Lavish generosity instead. This is not how we're wired, is it? It's not our default at all. The people who spread rumours against you. I don't want to do that. That lousy business person who ripped you off. We live in a culture that loves the feeling of outrage. When we catch somebody else doing something wrong, there's a kind of a, look, I know I'm not so great, but I'm better than them. Yep. And we do this, and it happens on social media a lot. That's our culture, and Jesus says, not like that, love them. It's a sermon, and I'm not going to confess the people who I think are against me. I could name public figures, that's easier. You can name public figures and think, well, mostly they don't detest me, they're not against me, they just don't, you know, I'm not even on their radar. But people who are, it sticks in the core that Jesus wants me to pray for and seek love with them. I was trying to think of an example. Do you know, this week I went to go and apply for some funds, or see if a, uh, a company, uh, it was suggested to me that if I wrote them a letter, they might look kindly to us and, and provide a little bit. I went down to them and I gave them the letter, and then I found myself having to say, look, we're not like Destiny Church. I wanted to say that because um, we don't pay people massive amounts of money. No one gets... We're paid around a school teacher kind of... What's that? <laughs> Linda would love to have a Tesla. <laughs> so, but, you know, we're not in that world. And for me, there is a real, a real clash in culture um, when the Tamakis kind of left Auckland to get out of level three. It was like, oh, is this how Christians are supposed to react? And I hate the fact that I actually have to say that when I'm applying for funds, the conversation, and the person I spoke to, don't think they were Christian, they said, oh my goodness, you know, Brian Tamaki has made it so hard for me to give money to churches. And what are we supposed to do with the people who aren't for us? We're supposed to love them. And I don't think that comes easy. And that is what Jesus is expecting of us. And our default is this. It's tit for tat. This is an old um, Dr. Seuss cartoon. He did a book about war, which got taken off the shelves because it was too close to the bone. We're used to matching guns for guns and careful exchange, but we're asked to love our enemies. And what we want to do with our enemies is ban them, put sanctions on them, avoid them, beat them, slag them on social media, ridicule them. That's what we are like. But for followers of Jesus, we are asked to love the people we love to hate. And how do we do that? Particularly as sometimes it's hard to love the people who are our friends. There was an elders meeting not too long ago when we reflected on what it would be like if we had a congregation where everybody knew just how much God loves them. 
Wouldn't that be stunning if we just knew, knew, knew deep in our heart how much we are loved by God? How would that change our lives? Because so much of our life, our response to hurt is to go to this. You hurt me, so I'll hurt back. But in Jesus, you see this. First love. Creation itself is an expression of love. You are created so you get to take part in this. We are created like that. Psalm 139 suggests that before any of us existed, God was planning us, scheming us, forming us, loved us. We're told, you know that John 3.16, that God so loved the world. And that's the world. And then it gets personalized in Galatians 2.20. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, loved me, and gave himself for me. God thinks we are to die for and shows that in Jesus. Now in our world, we want to give and take. We want to try and negotiate. And Jesus says, actually, but in God's world, the most highly is about giving without expecting to be paid back. Not because it works, but because this is what God is like. And so the Banksy image I quite like, because it's clearly a protester and there's a lot to protest, but what's he throwing? Flowers. It's kind of a little bit jarring because we expect him to be throwing a brick. And that's what we're used to. But it's the love my enemies. And who are our enemies? They are the people who are against you. So I think about that. Actually, it's a bit of a tough ask, I reckon. There are probably some people at work or school who you know what they really enjoy is getting a rise out of you. They're just going to bait you until you can bite. There are some people who would wish you badly. They're your enemies. And of course, Christianity, this is too tough. So we teach people the golden rule. Do to others the way you... That's what we teach them. We don't teach them to love your enemies because it's tough. Tom Wright says, is it possible? Well, yes or no. And then he says, Jesus' point was not to provide his followers with a new rule book, a list of do's and don'ts that you could tick off one by one and sit back satisfied at the end of a moral day. No, he wanted to show an attitude, a different way of living, a lightness of spirit in the face of all the world can throw at you. And at the center of this is you're supposed to be like this because God is like this. Loved, extravagantly loving. And he's right. I can't tell you it works. I can just tell you it's what God is like. And if we want to follow Jesus, that's what we're called to. Because God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, we believe mostly that church is a place to be nice to people. That's practically, I've had someone talking to me about this. But actually, we're supposed to be about relationships, about fananatanga, and it takes time and honesty. And it's tricky because I think Westerners, we're pretty uncomfortable with conflict, so we tend to push it down. And we push it down and we push it down. And then what can happen, and some of you have seen this, I certainly have, then you come to a church meeting and it's been pushed down. And it comes out. 
and it comes out because, not for bad reasons, we're trying to be nice to people, which is a good thing to be nice to people, but the pressure can build. We're called to pray for our enemies, and that requires of us some honesty and repentance. And I suspect that this is only possible when we go back to that first love that God loves us. Otherwise, I think we react out of hurt. Martin Luther King said that love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend because love by its nature builds. Abraham Lincoln said, why would I destroy my enemies when I can make them my friends? So, how do we do that? Well, my thoughts are that this, like all things, is woven up into our prayer life. Now, I don't know about you, but mostly I was taught praying was about telling God stuff, and it's good to tell God stuff. Increasingly, I'm talking with people who know prayer as time to sit and be loved by God, sit and be together. And I want more of that, and I am just really stinking it. I just, I wish I was better at this. If we knew how deeply loved we were by God, we'd be able to roll with, I'd, I believe I'd roll better with stuff. Because we are deeply loved by God. Deeply, deeply, deeply. And yet, I think we have to pray for our enemies, even though it sticks in the core. I need to pray for Brian and, what's his wife's name? Hannah Tamaki. Pray for mercy. Pray for, maybe share the Teslas around. <laughs> Not for me, but maybe your congregation. <laughs> pray for our enemies. And I think when we do that, that will inevitably call us to examine ourselves and see where we are becoming it. And then I think it's helpful if we can find concrete acts that show it. Sorry, there's an and on there, but it seems appropriate now. And we actually had some concrete acts of love expressed. I know you're having a tough time. It's your last week of studies, and here's a care package. That's not you and an enemy. I think we have to consciously decide they're not an enemy. Consciously. In Ephesians, Paul tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and against powers of the dark. He's trying to say there's something more going on than hating people. Hate injustice. Yep. Work for good, but love your enemies. Jesus on the cross embodies this with, forgive them, they know not what they do. And what does that look like? Well... I don't know, I think we said there's a hint of it in the story of Parihaka. If you haven't read it, Google it. I am aware of um, some Christian groups who go to troubled areas with um, cell phones and they stand and record. So there's been sets, uh, they, they stand to try and record, here's how the injustice is going. You'll have seen uh, in some of the Injustices in America, the growing sense of, oh, something's going on, let's pull out yourself and let's get a record so that there's truth of this. But our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. There's more going on. 
And I call this first love because I think that's what we're called to, first love. And we do it by going back to the first love that God loves us. And if we want to be like that, then we have to be like the God that loves us. So I thought I'd like to pray this and then I've got a benediction for us. And then there's a chance to have a chat with people and have a coffee and that kind of thing. The challenge is... The love you're called to is not just being nice or collecting great friends or having a lovely... The love that you're called to is to love your enemies. And if you find that hard, welcome to the human club. But this is what followers of Jesus are called to. I'm going to pray this and then if you could say a benediction with me, which will come up. Jesus, Prince of Peace... You have asked us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecuted us. So we pray for our enemies and those who oppose you. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, and we'll need that help, show us concrete acts of forgiveness and service that will demonstrate your love to others. Teach us to work together for that justice which brings true and lasting peace. To you be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And then there's a a, a, a Franciscan benediction, which I wonder if you'd read with me. There's two sheets of it. And it it touches this, this sense of in putting, instead of just saying, hey, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, Funny how we say unto, eh? What you taught when you're young. This goes further and leaves us uncomfortable, leaves me uncomfortable. Would you join me? May God bless us with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that we may live deep within our hearts. May God bless us with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so may we work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless us with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war, so that we may reach out our hands to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And may God bless us with enough foolishness to believe that we can make a difference in this world so we can do what others claim cannot be done. May the spirit of that God be in all of us. Amen. Your chance to stand up or say goodbye to someone next to you. Um, there'll be some, lots of run some music in the background so it's not too awkward. Um, but if you're feeling awkward, just embrace that awk. It's fine. Cheers.